Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. We help you build a thriving creative career. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can stay up to date with all things Creative Pep Talk by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's jump into today's episode. I really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him, like, you should go check it out. You're going to be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was going to tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, AndyJPizza.com, if you want to see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. Word of the day is collaboration. collaboration. Why is it collaboration? Because we are doing a huge collaboration with the Collaboration Kings, hitrecord.org. Last week, we had Joseph Gordon-Levitt on the show. He's the creator of Hit Record. Hit Record is an app that enables collaborative experiences. We are making a collaborative episode. See, I told you it was the word of the day. You might hear it a few times on this episode. We're doing a collaboration with him. So me, you, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, all the Creative Pepperonis, we're going to create an episode of Creative Pep Talk together. So you can go to hitrecord.org slash creative pep talk, and you can tell us either through writing or recording the advice that you wish you had five years ago and the advice that you think that you from five years into the future might give you today. You can also submit an illustration. There's also a, a voice recording prompt. There's a bunch of stuff. Go check it out. The other reason we're doing an episode all about collaboration is because I believe that in 2019, the secret to your creative career success is found in your connection with others, your collaborations. Why do I think that? Well, I think that because right now in the marketing world, it's very, very clear that the number one way to spread ideas 
in this world is influencer marketing. All right. So, okay. If that word just made you puke everywhere, clean it all up, put your headphones back on and stick with me. Okay. Here's what I think. Back in the day, 2011, I had an opportunity to do uh, some work with a content marketing company. And I realized that the strategic side projects that my peers were doing successfully in the art world were essentially content marketing. And that's why I went on a deep dive to figure out how do you do strategic side projects in such a way where you get all the value of the marketing techniques of content marketing. And a lot of this show the past couple of years have been about that. Nowadays, I believe that still is one of the most powerful tools that you can use, but one that I haven't explored as deeply is the power of influencer marketing. And in the same way that I think content marketing is synonymous with side projects in the art world, I believe that influencer marketing is synonymous with collaboration. So what is influencer marketing? Marketing expert Gary Vaynerchuk says that influencer marketing is word of mouth at scale. Basically, you know, my buddy Kyle Sheely, anything he recommends to me, I will consume. Why? Because I trust him. Because he's recommended books and comedy and, and art and all kinds of things. And everything he's recommended to me, I have super enjoyed. And there's trust there. And influencer marketing is just trust at scale. It's people in the world that have an audience that deeply trust their recommendations, deeply trust their ideas. And when a brand that that influencer trusts and believes in collaborates with them, there's the biggest diffusion of innovation. There's the biggest diffusion of ideas because their audience trusts them and they will purchase that product or buy into that brand because of the trust they have with this influencer. And so if you want to grow your Instagram following, if you want to get more people to engage with your creativity, the most effective way to do that is to use that same tactic, is to do collaborations with artists that you have perfect alignment with. And if you get their endorsement by putting, by them putting your stuff on their page, you are essentially tapping into the power of influencer marketing. You say, sounds great, Andy, but how do you do it? Well, that's what this episode is. A bunch of ideas on how to tap into the power of influencer marketing by creative collaborations. So the first thing you got to do is the first thing I do when I get a book. What do I get a what do I do when I get a book? I take the dust jacket off and I throw it in the trash because I freaking hate dust jackets. And the same goes for influencer marketing. I'm guessing when I say that word, it makes you feel terrible. We all hate the term. I can't stand it, but I want to share with you something that completely changed my perspective on the term influencer. I'm a big fan of the Philosophize This podcast, and they're doing a big thing on Deleuze, the postmodern philosopher. And in postmodern philosophy, they went through this season where they're like, is philosophy total garbage? Have we been wasting our time our whole lives? Why? Because they said humans don't have the perspective. We have, you know, we live in a world that has 11 dimensions and we can only experience four of them from that limited perspective. We'll never be able to find any objective truth. And if philosophy is about naming objective truth, then it's a complete waste of time. And Deleuze would say, nay, 
because he's part horse, but also because he would say, no, philosophy isn't about objective truth. It's about <laughs> concept creation. It's about coming up with new ways of seeing things. And that is incredibly valuable for us as humans, even within our limited perspective. And when I heard that definition of philosophy, you know what I thought? If philosophy is concept creation, then guess what influencers are? Philosophers. Now, there, uh, some of these philosophers are terrible. Some of these philosophers are good. Wh whoever they are, wherever they are, I'm guessing that a lot of your philosophy in this day and age comes from the influencers in which you subscribe to, whether it's Joe Rogan or Amanda Sales or Kim Kardashian, whoever it is, wherever it is, your perspective on life is shaped by the people that you let influence you. And I'm guessing some of those people are influencing you at scale. Now, I'm saying you need to jump into the fray. Here's why. Because James Murphy of LCD Sound System says the best way to complain is to make things. You can sit around and from the sidelines and, and never jump into the arena and just poke at what everybody else is doing. But to me, that's like uh, having a Amish review tech. I imagined like a, an Amish guy with a username maybe at the last Jedi Daya. <laughs> you know, live tweeting the WWDC live Apple event and just saying, Apple products, the only Apple products I'm interested in grow on a tree. Hi, oh, right? No, terrible. And you can sit back and you can talk smack on Twitter all day and night about what the influencers are saying and doing. But if you've got a perspective that you think is better than that, then you owe it to the world to get more specific and put more time into it and put it out there into the world like a true influencer slash philosopher. So here's what I recommend you do. You number one, swap out the dust jacket, quit thinking of influencers as uh, as people get nasty, nasty on Instagram and start thinking of them as modern day philosophers and jump into the fray by creating uh, articles on Medium, creating, you know, uh, writing about, talking about, creating podcasts for your competition. Start jumping into the conversation in a major way. You know, back in the day, they called these thought leaders. Uh, and I actually did this project with that content marketing company where they were comparing thought leaders with do leaders. Thought leaders being people who talk about stuff and do leaders being people that do the stuff. But I suggest that you embody that little sliver between those two circles, that little part of the Venn diagram where you are a thought leader and a do leader. Why? Why do I recommend pontificating about your practice for the benefit of your competition? Because first and foremost, teaching sharpens your action. When you have to describe how you do what you do or the philosophy behind your creativity, you'll actually be better at embodying it. If you can separate the analysis and the doing. And, and not think while you're making, but then stepping back and thinking about what you did and why you did it, you'll be able to not just do things intuitively, but do them on purpose. And those are the people that become masters of their craft. You know, we're seeing this all the time. Like a lot of comedians, they started a podcast and at first they weren't the greatest, but after talking about it, talking about it, pontificating, thinking, analyzing, not only did they start growing an audience because they were making stuff for comedy fans and people were sharing their name, but they actually improved their comedy. And so instead of saying, should I just be someone who talks about it or should I be someone who do does it? This is what uh, Debbie Millman says. We can talk 
talk about design, we can design, or we can do both. Yes, I'm all about it. So I recommend writing articles. Make stuff for people in your market. And here's the cool thing. If you do, if you do that, if you go out there and actively engage in conversations with people in your market for the benefit of people in your market, they will share it. And when they, sh- when illustrate, that's why I started this podcast initially. That was one of the reasons is I thought I'll make up resources for illustrators. And then when illustrators like it, they'll share it with their networks. And guess who's in their networks? People who could hire me. And so the first thing I think you got to do is just swap out the dust jacket, jump in. Become a philosopher in your industry. Start engaging in conversation with people in your world. And that's going to be a good idea. Second thing I recommend you do is a pod swap. Now, you don't have to have a podcast do a pod swap, but that's where I'm getting this information. Uh, One of the things that pushes the needle on the growth on this podcast more than anything is being on other podcasts. And one of the ways of doing that is finding podcasts that have audiences that align really well with my audience and then swapping. Me and Kathy Heller, uh, Kathy Heller has a podcast called Don't Keep Your Day Job. And although our audiences are not the same and we actually do very different things, there's a ton of overlap in that Venn diagram. And so her and I came together, we made an agreement that I would be on her podcast and she would be on mine. And we see this also on Instagram where a business will have uh, an artist or an influencer take over, do an Instagram takeover or Twitter account takeover and post for them for a week. But the fact of the matter is those tactics, you have just as much agency to do that for yourself. And so can you go out there and find friends or uh, even even just people there where you guys have a very similar alignment in your creativity and that your audiences would love to get to know these other artists and recommend, hey, why don't we post on each other's Instagram for a week? So do an Instagram takeover, do a, 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 a Twitter takeover, do a podcast takeover, whatever, what have you. You know, brand is so much about association, not brand identity, not the logo, bigger, you know, a bigger spectrum of what you think about brand. Brand is about what do you associate with this thing? And so one of the ways that I, if I find a new artist on Spotify and I'm having a hard time kind of knowing where this is coming from, finding the context for it, I can't really tell, is this really a thing for me? One of the things I do is I'll go right to the related artist and see, are these like the artists that I like? Like if I'm having a hard time, place them. Same goes for your audience. They don't want to waste their time diving all the way into someone's deep back catalog to know whether this kind of thing is for them. But if you do a takeover, it's it's easy for them to trust you because they trust the person they follow already. So who could you swap accounts for for a limited period of time? One of the reasons that marketing techniques are uh, essential is because humans have to conserve their calories and time. These resources we have to, we can't just dive into every single new thing we come across. So we need shorthand for encouragement to allow us to dive into something new. And one of the ways that I see this play out is book endorsements. So if I open, if I pick up a book, one of the first things I'll do is I'll look at all the book endorsements and see who has endorsed this book and are there any of those people that I really trust and I align with because that's a shortcut in. If I don't know any of their names, then I automatically assume it's nothing to do with me. And so 
you could. Number three, collect book endorsements even if you don't make books. Uh, so what does that look like? You know, for me, if I tell people on the podcast, if I'm trying to get them on the show, I will instantly say, here's people that I think are relevant to you that have already been on the show. And I will tell them that Apple has featured my show. BuzzFeed said I was one of the top things that creatives need to try to change their lives. I was number two on that list. And I'll say that Bustle said I was number one po- number one podcast to get you through your work day. And those credentials, those endorsements, they might seem like bragging, but the truth is you're just saving them calories and saving them time. And so you've got to find how can you, what have you already been endorsed with and how can you utilize that to your benefit? And then also how can you go out that Oh, out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Out there. How can you go out there and get endorsements actively for the things that you do and place them in places where people are looking to see if they can trust you or whether they should waste time with you? I remember a funny one that uh, had a big impact on me is there's this designer and card designer, Ash Khan, A S H K A H N, hilarious. Uh, illustrator love his work and it used to be when you go on went on his website the first thing that came up was this quote that Sagmeister had said about how he was a crazy dangerous designer or something and mostly crazy I don't remember what the quote was exactly but I remember thinking what the heck why is Stefan Sagmeister like famed designer talking about this guy and you'll also see on comedy books like I've been reading a lot of those you get a lot of endorsements but they're from comedians and I can tell that you know comedians chafe at the idea of having to do an endorsement and so you'll see like a, a an endorsement by Will Ferrell that said that that is humorous and sarcastic or you get one from uh, Jack Handy who says that uh I wish someone would have given me this book at the start of my career and a book on personal hygiene. And you can tell that they're they're making it light, they're making it silly, but at the same time, it says that Will Ferrell and Jack Handy were willing to spend a little time to give input because they liked the book. And so maybe getting an endorsement of any kind maybe feels uncomfortable to you, but you can also encourage those friends or those people, those collaborators, the people that are willing to put themselves out there, people that you already know like your stuff, you can encourage them, do it with tongue in cheek. It doesn't have to be that serious, but collect book endorsements however you can. So this is kind of the reverse endorsement. Number four is reverse endorsements. It's this idea that if you can't Uh, get endorsements or on top of getting endorsements, you can endorse other things as a means of building your personal brand. Remember, your personal brand, you know, I don't know if we've ever dove into this on the podcast, but sometimes I think when I talk about personal brand that people think I'm talking about your logo. No. No, That's your brand identity. But your brand is a much broader idea about how people think about what you do. And that's mostly built up by association. As when I say... Pepsi, what are the words that come to mind? What are the things that come to mind? Who comes to mind that have endorsed this thing? It's all of that stuff that around the actual product that is your brand. And so what do people associate with you? Like I said, you can do that by getting endorsements or you can do that by endorsing other things that you think your audience will hear as, 
hey, if you like this book, if you like this product, if you like this movie, you will like my stuff too. And you can do that by creating collections. And so I recommend create Spotify playlists or Apple Music playlists and maybe even go to the uh, effort of creating brand collateral, you know, branding the, the album art of these playlists yourself. If you're a visual artist or if you're a, a musician, you could pay your designer to create these Spotify playlist uh, cover arts. Another way you can do it is create Pinterest boards. Create things that say, these are my influences. These are my, this is my fashion. This is, this is the artwork I like. And you create these boards that communicate, this is my brand. If you like this stuff, you'll like my stuff too. You can create an Instagram post of book recommendations and you could illustrate all the different covers or you could just Photoshop them all on the same page. But by endorsing things, you are communicating, if you like this stuff, you may also like my stuff. So create reverse endorsements for your brand and is a way of creating a personal brand. I don't know why I got into this weird way of talking, but that's how you build a personal brand. Not by creating a logo, but by connecting things, by making associations that communicate who you're all about. Number five is become a micro-influencer mentor. Now, the reason I put this on the list is first and foremost, it's a selfless thing to do. You should go out there and give legs up to people that are in worse position than you. I massively believe that people that maybe don't have the access to uh, the connections you have for whatever reason, big believer in that. And I just want, that's the kind of industry I want to live in, baby. Come on, go find those people that you think are fantastic and give them a leg up because whether you know it or not, but you are uh, in some, in a position that someone else would die for. So go check go check out people that need a leg up and give them that but second of all you actually have good reason to do so and here's why on episode 229 i talk about how your taste is the foundation of your creative career and i believe that your taste is your superpower your ability to say that's good that's bad that's the creative intuition that leads you to know how to make the choices that make good creative work. And that same test is a metal detector for talent. You can go out there and be a talent scout and go find people that are unrecognized, that have not quite caught on, that you know are fantastic and have a high likelihood of catching on later and go spread the wealth. Go give them a leg up. Why? Because by the time they blow up, they'll be your brand ambassadors. And so you can actually go out there and collaborate with those people. You can highlight those people on my Instagram, I have a section, a highlight of my Instagram stories that's just people that I've given a shout out to on my Instagram stories and say, go follow these people. And guess what? When they go blow up, they're going to do the same thing for you. And so it's just a win-win uh, all around. Go create a playlist of all the hot new artists that you think don't get enough attention. You know, I think about Gary Shandling, the comedian, uh, the late comedian Gary Shandling, he mentored tons of comedians, young and old, gave them legs up, gave them insight, and then guess what? When they go on to big success, they gave him opportunities later in his career that he never would have had. He gave the opportunity to Judd Apatow to be a writer on his show. When Judd Apatow blew up, he turned around and was looking for things to do with Gary. 
So go be that person. Not only is it just the kind of industry you want to work in, it also has the potential to pay off for you in a selfish way later down the road. Number six is make an anthology. An anthology is just a collection of a particular type of work. So if you're in a new part of a scene, you know, Austin Kleon talks about this a lot. He got this idea from Brian Eno. It's called Senius. Like, don't think lone creative genius. Think Senius because all these geniuses, they come from something. They come from a collaborative group. This movement, this thing that's all happening with a bunch of people, and it's called Senius. It's the genius of the collective. And so... Whatever part of the whatever movement you're a part of, and if you're not part of a movement, I highly suggest that you become part of one. Don't be afraid to make connections with other people and be part of something greater than you. I hate this whole crap of extreme originality that nobody has ever been as original as me. Like we're all looking back, you're gonna see you were all part of a bigger something. And so that bigger something, you can actually put it upon yourself to be the person who names this new thing, you know, chill wave or anti-comedy, whatever it is, and create a collection of this thing and curate it for other people and help people give it a container uh, as a book or a playlist or a Pinterest board. Put it, all these things in a container as uh, shorthand, as, as a, a shortcut rather to get into this new thing. And if you're doing that, you can also insert yourself into that collection and by association be part of this scene. And, uh, you, you know, I did this with my book, Creative Pep Talk, uh, back in 2014, I saw that this was a thing that was happening where artists were giving other artists advice through creative illustrated lettering. And I wanted to be the person that collected all of those. And I called it Creative Pep Talk. And that was actually, I pitched that book before the Creative Pep Talk podcast. Illustrator Mike Perry did this with a screen printing book. He did it with an illustrated hand lettering book. He was someone in that scene doing the favor uh, for the audience of collecting all these great things in one place. And that's a way of putting yourself within that group of people. And it doesn't even have to be a book. It could literally be create an Instagram account that just catalogs these different people. You could post this work, but you could also go to these people and interview them, ask them some questions and put it in the caption and share their work and just create a collection, create an anthology that puts you squarely in the middle of this group of stuff. And that's a way that you can start collaborate and be part of a greater thing than just you. Number seven is a cross-industry hashtag search. So you don't just have to collaborate with influential people in your industry. There's another way of, and I would argue maybe even a more powerful way of getting your stuff out there. And this is by go onto Instagram, search hashtags, and what content is your work all about? Maybe it's about birds. Maybe you like to draw birds. Go Search the hashtag bird watching. Who are the most influential people in the bird watching community? Go into the, go DM them and propose a collaboration where you take some of their photos of birds and you illustrate them. Maybe even you add your own flair. Maybe you put them in a fantastical situation and you create content for their account as a collaborative uh, project. The same goes, you could do that for mental health. Who are the leading mental health brands? Who are the authors that have books on mental health on, on topics that you cover? 
I could do it for neurodiversity, for ADHD. Who are the most influential people in the ADHD game? I like making work and comics and stuff about that. So I could go approach them and suggest a creative collaboration and go work with influencers and influencing entities within totally different industries as a way of picking up new followers and new fans. You could also do the same for music. You know, you could create, you don't have to create a playlist just on these are cool songs. You could do it for a running playlist. Maybe you're, what is your music good for? This is also an exercise in figuring out what's the value of your music to other people. How do they use it? What do they use it for? Maybe it's early morning coffee songs and you create a playlist around that. So when people search, I search running on Spotify. I search focus on Spotify. What, how can you curate uh, those experiences for audiences and do kind of a cross platform, cross industry, not just make it about R&B songs, but make it about songs to get cozy with a, with a loved one with, you know, how can you get break out of your little niche? Okay. For our final point, number eight is show off, show off what you can do. Now, I always say you should definitely make creative work for exposure, but don't do it for anybody but yourself. Don't do it for a brand for free that comes to you and says, hey, will you give us work uh, for free and we'll give you exposure? Don't do that, but do strategically do it. Give away value. Do work for free, but just do it for yourself with your own projects. So what does that mean? It means show off what your work can do for others. Create a case study of how you can use your creativity for the benefit of others by creating a collaboration just by your lonesome. So one way I did this was I wanted to promote a podcast called Radio Lab that I loved and I just created a series of illustrations a few years ago that promoted specific episodes of their show that just said, hey, I was really inspired by this episode and it led me to make this illustration. You should go check out that podcast. And I sent it to Radiolab and they ended up tweeting it, retweeting it on their page. And so what could you do? How could you show off the power of your creativity? Maybe you're a musician. You know, sometimes I think musicians are too stingy about the way they release things. You could release a song just on Instagram about Trader Joe's, right? And show how your stuff could work for commercials. Like what can you do? What think, how can you show off by creating a campaign out of your own volition to push something you believe in? You know, I did a call with a illustrator back in the day who we couldn't figure out how to use his illustration. We couldn't figure out what to do with it. And then at the end of the call, he was telling me all about this particular type of yoga that he was just crazy about evangelizing out and proselytizing throughout the world. And I was like, please use your illustration. Show off the power of your illustration with how well you can spread an idea with your creativity. And so if you will go create a campaign out of your own volition, go promote something that you believe in. It could be a cause, it could be a product, whatever it is, that is in a way a type of collaboration. And not only that, once you've done that personal project, you can actually go 
use that as a case study to pitch yourself to other brands and opportunities of saying, hey, I did this personal project to promote this thing. I could do the same for your brand at a cost, you know, and pitch it as a paid project. But show off what your creativity can do by promoting as a campaign for free, as a case study, something that you love and want to get the word out on. If you do the things that I talked about in this episode, I believe that it will have a positive impact on your creative career. But I also believe that if you do these things that we're talking about, you are going to make yourself vulnerable to getting rejected, to getting your feelings hurt, to socially awkward situations. I would say that if you go through this list and you commit yourself to doing all of these things, you're going to experience a lot of pain. And I often get messages from introverted creative people just like myself that say, how do I put myself out there? I don't know anybody. I'm scared of social situations. I'm scared of meeting people. And I get it, man. I freaking get it. I put it off for a long time. Early on in my career, I was a little bit brash. I didn't have any fear. I'd email my heroes and I would you know, go out to these events and all this stuff and try to go meet people. And it was all really fun until I got hurt. I got, I got, you know, people making backhanded compliments at me. I had people get in my head and throw me off my game. And for a few years there, I just hid my story away. And then in 2013, I saw this Creative Mornings Talk online by a guy named Joseph Wu. Joseph in this video is clearly nervous. He's clearly emotional on stage as he goes up and talks about how origami got him out of the depression that he went into when he was, a, when he was diagnosed with adult ADHD. When he was diagnosed, he was overwhelmed with the fact that all of his struggles had a reason, and that reason was biochemical, and it wasn't going away, even with medication, even with routine, even with understanding the problem that he would forever in his life be stuck struggling with this diagnosis, and it sent him into a depression. And if Joseph was visibly nervous and emotional before getting on stage and he thought about stepping out and he thought about, you know what, I can't do this talk. I know that it's going to benefit my creative career. I know more people are going to hear about my work, but I just don't know if I can go up there and do this talk. If I was standing, standing in front of him, I would tell him, Joseph, please, I need you to put yourself out there. I need you to go up there and tell your story. In 2013, I was in that place where I was hiding myself from the public. I was hiding myself from the industry. I was hiding behind my work. And it was your talk. It's you going up there and talking about ADHD and showing your face and telling your story that gave me the courage to go out there and get hurt again, to get out there and get vulnerable again, to get out there and make this podcast and tell my story. And so... Maybe advancing your creative career isn't enough motivation to get 
over your fears of being vulnerable and being uh, in socially awkward situations. But I hope the fact that you know that by telling your story that others like you will have the courage to get up and tell theirs. Maybe that will be the motivation that will give you the courage to get over all of these fears. So even if you can't do it to move the needle on your creative career, please look inside yourself. Work up enough gumption to be a creative philosopher, to be a creative influencer in this day and age because we need your story. And one day, I hope, five years from now, someone reaches out to you and says, I'm so glad you put yourself out there because I needed to see someone like me telling their story so that I would have the courage to tell mine. Thanks to all those Patreon backers. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. Thanks to Alex Sugg for our soundtrack. You can listen to it on Apple Music and Spotify by searching Creative Pep Talk Original Soundtrack Volume 1 or just Creative Pep Talk. You can find it probably after that. Uh, thanks to Chris Graham for all the audio mastering engineer help that he gives me. Thanks to all you guys for hanging out with me and stay pepped up. 